Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. A big thank you for all the support we receive from our listeners and sponsors. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media outlets for updates and news. Really, really excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, creator, and former chief archivist for the Robert Rauschenberg Foundation, Matt McGee, and his brother, four-time winner on the PGA Tour, former Golf Channel analyst, and current BBC Golf contributor, Andrew McGee. Make sure to follow Matt on Instagram at M-A-T-T-M-A-G-E-E-1961. And check out his website, mattmcgee.info, and follow Andrew on Instagram at A-N-D-R-E-G-O-5-2. Also wanted to say thank you to my friend Angelica Garcia for letting me use some music for today's episode. Let's welcome Matt and Andrew McGee. Hey! There we go. <laughs> Is that better, Matthew? Yes. I'm a haircut. <laughs> I, I, I did not get my haircut yesterday. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. It's full. All right. This is actually somewhat short, though. Like, I think I was telling Matthew uh, when I was out in Arizona a couple weeks ago, like, I've had it halfway down my back. Back in my rock and roll days, so. Nice. So um, where are you now? Are you I'm in at, the city? I'm actually no. I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Great. So I'm I'm all the way on the on the other coast. But and by the way, I've I started recording already. But I I don't know if Matthew told you that we have a connection. The three of us. You used to swim as a child. Oh, this is Tremont. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I, when 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 we found that out at at the bar at at, uh, at Sh- Mountain Shadows, I was just like kind of, I was like, am I in another world right now? I couldn't even like yeah. literally. If you traveled from the pool through, there's a shopping center. That's the street I grew up on. It's called Eddington, and it's like right there. Like I think I even have a sign up there. Um, no, I didn't steal it. I found it. I swear. So. Um, but it it's like to me it was just like the craziest small world things that happened because I think I, I don't even remember how it how it came up but I think you said oh my brother was a pro golfer and I was like oh I grew up in the hometown of Jack Nicholas and something something and you go yeah I used to swim <laughs> at Tremont yeah. Pool and I was like what so because our grand there yeah our grandpa retired there and was it. At Ohio State, or I forget the connection. Why? Anyway, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So we summer for sure. He must have lived right Camden Road was his oh, yeah. road, yep. right next to Eddington. Yeah, yeah, it's right, right there. Yeah. Like it's crazy, crazy. But no, I've driven by there a couple of times. I've driven by there recently, not when I'm playing in a golf tournament or something in Columbus, and it, it doesn't look as grand as it did when we were like five year old. No. You know, <laughs> it looked like a 
pretty much municipal park kind yep. of run down and yep. not not as cool as we remember it. No, 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 no. It's definitely ch- I go back because my dad still lives in the house I grew up uh, in. My mom lives in Dublin, as a matter of fact, like probably a mile from Muirfield, probably a nice. little bit more. But um, right. have you ever, did you ever play Scioto, by the way? Uh, a couple times. That's... Our grandfather was a member there. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome, but not when well, not with him. I played right. when I was back in Columbus for yeah. for Muirfield. Yeah. Now I I used to jump on the course because I had friends that lived on it, and my God, what a beautiful course! But I just wanted to say thank you both for doing this. Like when when I started thinking about having you both on, just because of what we do with the abstract athlete, it, I've had a family on before of a father, a daughter and, uh, her, her, the mother. And there was like all these connections between athleticism and creativity. But I, this was interesting to me because obviously Matthew, you like a very highly respected, well-known artist. Um, I actually knew, I think I actually saw your show or knew of your work through Richard Levy gallery in, in, um, Santa Fe. Okay. Cause I love that gallery. And so I've, yeah. I've come apart. And when, when Cece mentioned you, I was like, Oh yeah, I know his work. Um, and then obviously Andrew, you're, you, you were a professional golfer. So it's like two sides of the spectrum. So to me, it's like, it's an interesting story of, of like how, how you got like, did, was there overlap in creativity and physical activities and like the growing up, like I know your dad was a geologist and I think that creeped into your work, Matthew, right? I, but but as far as the golf creeping into my life, <laughs> yeah, I, I once in my life to play golf when I was about thirteen, and it, no, no interest. But I of course have been to many many golf tournaments. Um, but we kind of yeah, our careers parallel, but are completely separate. Although the intersection is that Andrew has many friends. Um, who have the wherewithal to collect art. So that's where the the connection starts to come in. Um, yeah, if I can just jump in, I, I I can't maybe do a stick figure with a pencil <laughs> and do it properly and make it all look symmetrical and pretty. I have no clue on how to even start a painting. <laughs> and I think Matthew is probably the None same. None of us actually know that. You so, know, I mean, I wouldn't know where to begin. I don't, I don't care if I even had numbers to show me how to do it. You know, yep. I'd, still, I'd still fuck it up a little bit somehow, you know. But, but you know, he can't hit a golf ball at all. So it's, it is really weird <laughs> how we don't, we don't really participate in each other's uh, you know, lifestyles of, you know, art or golf. It's, but it's pretty weird. No. I follow, I mean, follow just on the course there in Flagstaff many times in a golf cart and I could easily be playing golf with him, but I have no interest in, in watch. I just watch. Yeah. Yeah. I just get him two vodka sodas to go <laughs> and he's happy and he's happy in the golf cart just to watch. Yeah. But I mean, like growing up, like, again, like I was your, your dad was a geologist, correct? That I, I read yeah. that. And I know like, um, in some ways, maybe Matthew, like one of the things I read is like, you're, you're really interested in collecting. Um, and that informs your art, which I think is badass. Like I, I have a, a mentor friend of mine who I think actually artwork you would like, his name is Richard Roth and he does these really geometric, beautiful, um, 
hard edge geometry. Like he, you know, he was in New York in the, in the sixties and stuff and was, uh, studied under, uh, Nicholas Krushnik at, um, can't think of that guy's, uh, the school Cooper, Cooper union. Um, but he also has, he, he does these collections as well. And so like growing up for you both, was there like, was there creativity in the house? Was there like other sports in the house? Like how, (laughs) how did this happen? I guess, I guess you kind of answered that, but, um, but like, it's just interesting. Like even growing up, were you guys really like on two separate sides of the pendulum? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Andrew can tell you that, that our older brother taught Andrew how to play golf when Andrew, when he was about four and when we lived in Libya and, our father was already playing golf. So Andrew, you can, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a, I knew we were gonna to get to this question, but um, you know, we lived in London, England, downtown. And um, you know, I, 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 so golf wasn't even really close. My dad was a member at Hendon Golf Club, which I come to find out now is where the, the cab drivers hang out. I thought it was a kind of a fancy place, but it's, <laughs> It's kind of a medium place, which is kind of like, you know, our, our dad's style. He wasn't a very fancy person, but I was allowed to go out uh, at Hendon and walk in the, the wet, dewy, cold grass on Saturday morning and get my feet soaking wet, but not allowed to go in the clubhouse because I wasn't old enough. But we luckily we moved from downtown London to Dallas, Texas, across the street from a golf course. I mean, right across the street. So when you talk about how I got into golf. I didn't play football, baseball, or basketball ever, you know, as a, as a European kid, we didn't, I didn't do any of that. Matthew didn't do any of that either. We, we, we climbed trees and, you know, and tried to get conquerors at Regent's park and, you know, and, and do a little bit of fishing in the little ponds there, but that's about it for sport. And, um, but, but access is really a, a huge thing for, for anybody. The, the access for me was to walk across the street to the golf course. If I would have had to ask my mom or dad for a ride and drive 10 or 15 minutes, that wouldn't have given me as easy access as I had just to walk across and, and, and found, find something like Matthew um, that we could do by ourselves. You know, we weren't team players. Matthew was on the swim team and I was on the golf team (laughs) in high school, but basically those are individual sports anyway. And we both somehow found our, you know, our way through our parents didn't push or guide my, my dad. I don't think really knew I was that good a golfer until maybe I got a scholarship to college and he'd have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I joke about that, but, but my mom did. Um, my mom was great. And she was, I, I'm going to guess Matthew's catalyst also in, in pushing him and, and, you know, making sure he was not making sure, but just letting us do our own thing. They didn't, pushed me to practice they didn't make me go to the golf course my mom did come to some college tournaments later on when I was at OU at Oklahoma which was a little embarrassing I'm the number one player in the team and I got my mom in her <laughs> trench coat out there the only parent you know coming to Lawrence Kansas to watch the golf but um, but they they didn't they didn't push us one iota all four of us kids do completely we all do different things older brothers of ex-military guy wow our sister our sister is a retired school principal and teacher and god i should have had you all on i mean because we were all we work with military too so we're all really 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 different and i think 
I think if we're going to go to that military, it's because of my grandfather in Camden Road in Columbus, was yep. a two-star general in the Army, retired. Yep. And that's, I think, what spurred on my older brother to, to go to Texas A&M, be in the Corps of Cadets, and, and make military his, his life. Um, so as Matthew's going to tell you the same thing, my, our parents did not, they encouraged yeah. us, but they didn't make us do anything. And you guys, my, you guys were my, both born in Paris. Um, yes. and what was that? Yeah, because, we were born in Neuilly, fancier than Paris. Oh, okay. That's even better. <laughs> um, American but, hospital. Yeah. 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 Do, but was that because of your father being a geologist? Was he, was yes. he a teacher? Okay. Yes. He was stationed. His, his specialty was the Sahara desert and the North sea. Uh, so both, I mean, his, his career was super interesting, but you know, a poor farm boy from outside of Pittsburgh, you know, does get, get straight A's through every single college and university and goes to world war II, comes back and gets a job with mobile and, you know, is mapping Southern Egypt and land rovers in the early fifties. And, and the Sahara became his kind of specialty where he kicked up, kicked rocks over to look and before they had seismic anything, you know, and, and, and Matthew can jump into this because I think his, our dad was probably a much bigger influence on him because um, of that kicking over rocks thing and, and, and liking to organize them into some kind of designs on the back porch or seashells or whatnot. Right, Matthew? Right. But also our mom was, was creative and kind of did interior design in school and had a strong design sense and kind of in the middle of her life became a printmaker and so and then we have her i have some of her archive left from Rats when she rubbings. Was yeah and she she was taking all kinds of design courses and so, so she had a and then we have a, a a relative on my mother's side who was a a painter and theosophist a, a fellow named jonathan stickney mcdonald uh, who lived around in the 1860s and 1870s, who was a very interesting painter. And so there's a kind of a, there, a creative vein does exist in our family. And I, I think, I, I feel like I'm kind of carrying on a little of that uh, sense. Uh, although, I, I mean, there aren't that many of, of us McGee's and Snyder's who are actually artists, but uh, it's there. There's kind of a creative gene somehow. Um, it's, it's straight from mom, I think, you know, how she went to the Horace Mann School for Girls in New York, and she was kind of fancy that way, and she was surrounded by nice things, and and yeah. um, she kind of showed us, she yeah, showed she, us with her character, she was interesting. Yeah, she took us to museums, and she drew the symphony in London and to opera, so she definitely had, she was interested in culture and and painting and art and all that kind of stuff so it's like in our well, dad was not at all interested in any of that stuff he'd go to sleep with the symphony you know <laughs> but he he'd was interested he was be, interested in sleeping. discovery and that's i think that that's actually really cool that connection between your mom and your dad she was interested in, in being involved in it your dad was maybe interested in discovering what the culture was thousands yeah, of years I, ago i still don't know how he got her I don't know how he did. She was, a, she was a pretty blonde girl, you know, and um, from a pretty proper family. And and I'm less, he, you know, he's just a normal looking dude, you know. He wasn't anything. He wasn't rock <laughs> fancy, but that's <laughs> uh, pretty good. She she smart. was very smart. I think we can give him that. Yeah. That yeah. He, they, I mean, their my father's career took them to Caracas, Venezuela, in the fifties uh, for two years, and then to Lisbon, Portugal, for. 
five years, then to Paris for five years, then to Libya for four years, then to London for five years. And he ended up retiring in, in Texas. And that's where, well, that's where Andrew found the golf. And that's where I yeah, eventually found my my creative way somehow. When yeah. did you guys when did you guys move to Texas when you were like yeah, 1971. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not- so so my my quick story, I know I'm jumping off the bandwagon, but there's no uh, rules on this. <laughs> yeah, about about nineteen seventy we got a black and white TV in London. Like we were the last people in all of the United Kingdom to get a TV <laughs> as a black and white TV. And we weren't even allowed to really watch it that much, you know, it, but, but what I did get to see some was gun smoke, you know, in black and white <laughs> gun smoke. So I thought Dallas, Texas was going to be horses and gun smoke or dirt roads until we landed at love field back in those days. And there was cars and asphalt outside and it completely threw me for a loop that we weren't going to ride our horses to school. <laughs> <laughs> that's that true is, that's what that's i really awesome. thought no that's awesome I didn't, I didn't know we just got a tv you know that's well, not like today where you can yep. take a picture of hyde park right now from your phone and have a look at it but it's it's that's what i thought at age 10 you know texas, texas land of hicks and cowboy bunch of hit texas <laughs> that's i love that actually <laughs> no but you like you kind of insinuated earlier like you guys have these really different diverse lives and are really both of you have, uh, in some ways are top of your fields. Like, you know, Matthew, like you've won tons of awards. Um, you have work in museums, um, obviously in, in private and, 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 um, corporate collections all over the place. Um, and, and, and Andrew, like you're, you've won four tournaments, uh, in the PGA, like you've had multiple top tens in majors, which is, you know, awesome. And you have the coolest thing. This is the most random thing. Again, this is a serendipity thing. I was literally talking to somebody about this the other day. I was like, I think I know that there's some guy out there that had a, in a PGA event that had a hole in one on a par four. And in my head, it was John Daly or something. And then I find out it was you. And I was like, this is absolutely crazy. And I'm going to have this guy. And, and so, and then you've also done television work. Um, and, and, you know, and Matthew, like you worked with the Robert Rauschenberg foundation, which is, you know, one of the great American artists. So like, again, like for me, it's like, it's so cool that you guys are on these, for us, the synthesis of, you know, art and athletics, but you're doing your own thing on those two pendulums and at the highest of levels. And it's like, it's so cool that your brothers doing this and, and able to like, you know, I don't know how much you talk about those things, but it, I think it's like, I think it's pretty badass. The word that comes to mind is competitive. I think we're both competitive and, and we're fighters and, and um, strivers, but the, but the, but as you were talking, I just thought competitive and, and uh, that's a, I mean, that's not necessarily what happens in the New York art world, but it is. You know, because folks are, I mean, it's vicious competition. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> no, so, that's, I, I'm glad you say that because I don't think people talk about that enough. Vicious. It's vicious and backbiting and you really, and, and it, and the word is competition because there are, everybody is striving. I guess it's, are we, are they striving to win? It's not in the art world. It's not striving to win, but it's striving for attention. And, you know, there are 
50 million of us, 50 million kids in New York striving for that, you know, be on the cover of something. So it is competitive and that's maybe something that links us both for sure. Yeah. But I, th- I think what's really cool about Matthew and I talk every day. I mean, we're yeah. really, we're really close brothers. And uh, we might not have been that close in high school and whatnot. And he was doing no, we were part of each other. <laughs> yeah, we like to beat each other up back then until something, something happened and we became closer and closer. And but we don't we don't gloat. Neither of us gloat about our successes, you know, like our maybe that's from our parents too, that they they didn't go off. That's from our father. Yeah. He, yeah, he was we didn't humble. brag about brag about our our things that we did and you know, I certainly know Matthew's got a show coming up and I know which pieces he's working on right now. I go and see him all the time. And, but, but, you know, he talks about it in his way, but it's not, it's not a show offy thing, you know, and I can say, you know, I've met Ben Hogan and been in Jack Nicholas's house and do all that stuff. And he, he doesn't give a crap, you know, <laughs> as long as we have our daily phone calls and which is so, so we don't, we're not big brag or show offy type of. I've been to Rob. Ashenberg's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I pissed him off. <laughs> no, 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 but it's the same. We don't talk about that. You know? Yeah, we don't is talk it, about it. Is it cool that, I mean, you, yeah. you you moved out there to the Phoenix area, was it four years ago, five years ago? 35. Matthew. Matthew, yeah. yeah. Oh, was it that long? Okay. I thought it was shorter. Now, Andrew's been here since 86 yeah. something, but... I have visited here so many times um, just to escape kind of a gray Brooklyn winter and, and would come out here with our dad and fell in love with Arizona, New Mexico. Just what a difference from Brooklyn and Manhattan, you know, in January, February. So, and Andrew and, and his wife were always here and their kids were growing up. So this really became a place I wanted to live eventually, I think. And I, and I love it. I, I feel like it's uh, yeah, I'm in my element. Well, I guess I was thinking, what is yeah. it, is it cool for you guys now to have, you know, you say you talk every day, but also to have that he, he's within you're within a, you know, a 10 miles of each other. You can actually visit yeah. one another. I mean, that has to be cool. Yeah. Our sister lives here now too. And it's like when we were all 18, we scattered out to the world and now that we're all in our 60s, well, Andrew, not quite, but we've all come together again, which is wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's been really great to yeah. be back. No, because uh, I, I, yeah. I have a sister out there, too. Like, I think I yeah. told you that. Everybody does. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's my fault. I moved here. I chose, the, I chose Phoenix in 1986 and came home to my then girlfriend, who I ended up marrying Susan. And I said, we're moving tomorrow to Palm Springs, Florida, or Phoenix. <laughs> Take your pick. We have to leave because I need to practice. My golf game is suffering in this Oklahoma City weather. And we moved to Phoenix. And Susan's whole family moved to Phoenix. Our whole family, except for our brother, John, is still in Dallas at our parents' house in Phoenix. So we're, we've all found the desert. And I, I've been to every state. I've played golf in 20 countries professionally. I get asked all the time, where, where would I live if I didn't live in Phoenix or in Arizona? I, I can't find a better place. Florida. <laughs> Florida, now, Florida. Florida's full of Florida and <laughs> it's full of humidity and bugs and traffic and New Yorkers and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, I'm in Flagstaff right now, which we spend the summer, which is a beautiful place. And then Phoenix is a great place for the winter. So, I, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. Where would we move? I mean, maybe Mexico. 
Um, yeah. but, but I can't figure it out. This is it. When us. you've lived there, you've lived there from like seeing it just explode because, you know, I, I go out there not every summer, but you know, I'm out there every other summer, let's just say. And even in just in the last 20 years, just the way that the city is just expanding outward. Like it's unreal how big of a city. I just don't think people realize how big of a city Phoenix is. It's just crazy how huge it is, but yet still so beautiful. Like, I don't know if you get influenced by that, Matt, like, do you, I mean, are you in, informed by like, even like through your dad's geology, like, do you get informed by landscape? No. Yes. Yes. I'm driving to the studio. I mean, I just, it's, you know, it's all sky and I'm looking at mountains and I just think about, you know, I had a studio in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn for 20 years and it was just dirty and gross and I never saw the sky. And I mean, I, I did it and I, I um, but it's just, it's refreshing to be, have so much nature and you can get out of the city here in 20 minutes and, you know, on the road up to Flagstaff, you can be out of the city limits on a highway in, in 20, 25 minutes and out in the desert, which I love so much. And so Flagstaff is beautiful. And, you yeah. know, and obviously Sedona, like between there is just stunning. Stunning. Yeah. It's a really diverse state. People don't realize how it's, I'm in a huge Ponderosa pine forest right now and 20 minutes away from, you know, a, a hot hundred degree desert to just two hours down the road. And, you know, the Grand Canyon's an hour north and, there's just a lots, there's lots to do here. And you're right, Flagstaff's blowing up, the airport's growing, Northern Arizona University's taking off. Uh, there's not enough apartments to rent, homes are all sold out. And Flagstaff's got a really, a nice little, you know, bohemian kind of vibe to it. Yep. You know, it's a Birkenstocky kind of campus yep. and that kind of thing. But uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, I like it. It's, it's, it's just really cold here in the winter time, yep. but uh, that's okay. No, no, I think that's the thing that people don't realize. It's like Flagstaff's what, like an hour and a half from Phoenix, and yet it snows in in yeah, May. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty, pretty stunning. Enough with the Cadillacs and the Hampton Estates. Quick break. Make sure to follow Matt on Instagram at m a t t m a g e e one nine six one. And check out his website, mattmcgee.info. And follow Andrew on Instagram at A-N-D-R-E-G-O-5-2. Also, listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Now, back to Andrew and Matt. I always ask um, this question of guests because I think it's it's interesting, and this will be like for me interesting in my head. Like, who are like people that influenced you guys? Um, you know, or I don't want to say that they're mentors necessarily, but they could be. I mean, it sounds like obviously your parents are very very influential on you and your family, but like you know, like as an artist or as, as a golfer, like, did you have like, you know, like a Ben Hogan, did you, were you influenced by Rauschenberg or, you know, Mondrian or, or stuff like that? Like those things that, you know, connect you to the work and, 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 and life and blah, blah, you know, just like all those, all those things. Andrew, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I, I was influenced by my older brother, John. He was our, you know, athletic son and brother, and he played soccer and basketball because he was really tall and he played golf. Um, so I tagged along with him starting at probably about age, you know, 12 or 13 um, and his high school friends. And so I hung around them and, you know, and thought about being a high school golfer at that time. And, um, you know, when I got to college, I was influenced by other guys at, on other golf teams at Texas and Oklahoma State that are still my great friends, um, being competitive and wanting to, you know, beat them and, and um, you know, maybe make it to the PGA Tour someday. I wasn't one of these four-year-olds who had the dream of like a Tiger or a Phil that I was going to be a PGA pro and win the Masters. You know, I, I liken it to, I was just trying to step up the ladder rung, you know, make my high school team, get a scholarship to college, you know, be a good player in college, um, get a nice sponsor, get, you know, make the PGA tour. All these are like stepping up one more step and one more step. Never had that dream of, yeah, I did on the putting green at, at Brookhaven, our club in Dallas when I was little, this is to win the masters, you know, this four footer. I, I did play those kind of silly little games and, but it wasn't, and I'm sure Matthew, it's the same thing. It's nothing that we really started off as little kids and we, we knew we were going to do this. Um, it was something to keep me out of jail because I was pretty bad. And uh, <laughs> seriously, and then you know, and it's just, it was just kind of a lucky thing to find, to find my life existence is, is golf and surrounds golf. And, and that's how I, I sell real estate now with, through golf. You know, so everything is, is working with golf and there's all kinds of avenues. You know, when I went to the Masters two weeks ago, I, I, I worked for the BBC Five Live radio team for the last 16 Masters. And, you know, I played seven Masters. I, obviously, I think the Masters is the best golf tournament in the world. Um, I, I never knew what was going on outside the ropes. Right. When you're inside the ropes and you're a player and you got your big Cadillac with Augusta written on the side of it, you're pretty cool. You don't really think about the the billions of dollars that are made outside the ropes to see the scope of that. Now, now that I'm involved in that and I see what's going on there, I'm like, maybe I was on the wrong side of the rope. <laughs> the money is outside of the yeah. rope. Yep. I do like though, that the masters internally does not price gouge people. Like they you can, you can like <laughs> buy a sandwich for like three bucks or whatever. And oh, less than that's a dollar 50. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's weird. And parking's free. Yep. They, ah. they torn down every neighborhood around the Augusta national. They bought everybody's home, like eminent domain, but they just own the whole town. They just scrape these houses for parking lots for one week of the year. Free. It's bizarre. Money have, is no up. Matt, Matt, you can like talk about your influences too, but just like on a side note question, um, do you guys ever like think about, I don't want to say the pressure that either one of you are on, you know, like being at an art exhibition, it's not necessarily a pressure, but it, there is like that moment that this is your thing, you know? And so there is that, uh, I don't know the right, the right word, like you're on the pedestal. So you are, you do have that spotlight on you, which like a golfer would have a spotlight. Maybe it's a different kind of pressure or whatever, but do you guys ever like relate to each other's spaces? In that in that sense, have you ever thought about that? No, no, but I but I understand the pressure, and I think um, our I, I'm thinking about our our father again. It, I, I I was nervous at first, back when I started doing this and had was having shows a solo show, and you're you're kind of the focus of attention. 
but I guess the the idea is to be as as natural and gracious, which is which is natural and gracious as possible, and just normal and not ego, egotistical. And that's I mean that that comes from our father, you know. And I think Rauschenberg was like that too, just a a kind of normal man, very very charismatic. I mean, that's something I carried away from working with him. Um, just a, a, a charismatic, talented fellow who loved to make work and had a, had tons of friends, um, which says something about a human being if they have a lot of, of followers. Um, in my case, Andrew and I went to a huge public high school in Dallas in the 70s, and I found kind of a safe haven in the art department because it was, uh, I, I experienced a little bit of, uh, of aggression from some of the dudes and I just I ended up finding a safe haven in the art department and realized that these are my people and I started to to kind of excel in there and I, I, I remember especially doing these kind of ink drawings and people looking over my shoulder and saying things and I was like oh um these are I mean I don't know it, figuring out that I wasn't like shitty I guess yeah. and but then I, I also, as a teenager, was always making things. I, I just, I mean, I went to college and did art history, but I was always making things. And it was about when I was 22 or 23. It's like, I just like to make, I just, I don't know if it was acknowledging making art, but I like to make things. Um, I, I was, you know, stringing plastic newspaper bags on where I was using all kinds of media and eventually, I mean, after college, I was like, I want to go to Pratt. You know, I want to go to art school. And my parents were agreeable. And it just one thing led to the other. But it was this kind of epiphany uh, in my early 20s um, that what really makes me happy is working with my hands and making stuff. And so how did that then the next step is how do you make a career out of that? <laughs> and, I'm still on that next step trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but Pratt going to Pratt really helped because that was my first group of serious artist friends. And we all helped each other get studios in Brooklyn in 1986. And that, then I got a job in a gallery in Soho and it was my introduction to the New York art world. And it was full throttle from there. I, I, I fit, I fit, I found my people um, it also had to do with, I, I did three uh, internships at the Guggenheim Museum while I was in college, two in New York and one in Venice, Italy. And so that also introduced me to art at the highest level. So there, uh, something in my late teens, you know, uh, I just felt very comfortable in that environment, basically. And, and it, 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 I existed and I knew how to talk to the people and people really, I, I fit. So I realized this, these must be my people or I don't, I don't, it wasn't even a conscious realization like that. And did you have uh, that too, Andrew, like with the golf, like you felt like that? No, I was thinking what Matthew just said and, and you know, we went to a, a real typical Dallas high school footballs, everything yeah. on Friday night, <laughs> cheerleaders, you know, and all that stuff. And, 
you know, people always ask me, like, when did you know, you know, Matthew was gay? I said, well, he was sewing his own clothes in high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I, made, I made it up just to say that because it doesn't matter. Because they, yeah. they were a bunch of jerks to Matthew. You know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't understand him. We didn't have any gay people probably in school. Well, you know. it, was, it was really, it was difficult. So you kind of, it was. I, I, I knew he was having difficulties. And I, and I, a little bit, not, not consciously, but I, I knew. And he, we didn't talk like we do now. Um, yeah, I knew I knew it was it was a tough time for him. Not so much for me. I'm an athlete. You know, I'm playing golf. I'm on the golf team and we're doing great. And I'm dating a cheerleader or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so everything was pretty much easier for me. But I, I, I knew it was tough. And for Matthew to to say he found his people, that's really that's really saying something because he, he blossomed so fast from Trinity then to Pratt. And then we kind of lost touch. And um I mean, he just took off and he found his way. And if you look behind him, you see his studio is too small for the amount of art he produces. <laughs> I, I know mean, the he, feeling on that. I swear. Right? He just had so much stuff. No, no I, I like listening to you talk, Matthew. It's, it's, it really hits home with me too, because I, that the, the making, like just knowing that, but I like feel like I, my business partner and I, this is one of the things we talk about through our business is, is that kind of dynamic between the two. Like I was an athlete in, in high school. Like I was a captain of the baseball team. I was a quarterback. I played basketball, but I was also an artist. And so when you said you found your space, like I always felt weird. Like, I think I told you, like I went to high school with Inca Essenhigh, who's a very, very famous artist. And I remember I actually just mentioned this on the podcast with somebody the other day. I remember my art teacher, thank God, like saw something in me, even though I was an athlete. And she asked me to be in like the first like computer graphic art class that my high school ever had. And so I go into this class and it's all the, you know, quote unquote, the art kids. And here's this athlete guy coming in and they're like looking at me and I'm just like, Okay. You know, and it's just like, it was, it was weird. And like, and I've talked to other athletes that are artists that they say, I, I've never talked to my fellow players about my art. And I find it like, that's some of the stuff we're trying to knock down where we're allowed to talk about our athletic pursuits and our creative pursuits with each other because it's healthy and it's good to do these things. And, and so it's, I, I love your story of like, being able to find that space and knowing that. And it's, it's, and it's just, and it was to to get to the art department. It was kind of this hidden place and like down these halls and back in the back. And it's like the rest of the school wasn't even part of this, these spaces. It was, it wasn't a separate space, but it was our own space. So yeah, that I think why I love, and the teacher was cool. And no, and it's yeah. fun. Like, I, I think I told you, Matthew and Andrew, like, I, I teach at Virginia Commonwealth University, uh, which actually has a pretty decent golf team. They, you know, Lanto Griffin went here. Yeah, I um, but I, I've started a class that's kind of along the lines of the business called Art and Athletics. So I have all these student athletes come into class, artists take the class. And the cool part for me is for, for artists it's good to see these athletes that are disciplined and also like what you were talking about earlier, Matthew, about, about being competitive. Like 
it's not, it doesn't have to be the forefront of what you're doing, but it's okay to be competitive as an artist. And, and it, it can, it can be fun actually to be competitive and it pushes you, but for the athletes, it's, it's good for them to like understand that creativity can actually benefit their performance. And so, and it's also like artists get to hear, you know, Matthew being in art school, like the language gets really narrow. Like, yeah. and so like you, when you bring these kids that are not in art school talking about art, it's just like, it's a free for all. And it's great because the artists, like I've had artists come up to me and like, this is the best class I've ever taken because people are just saying shit and it's, it's just great. But, and I had a, a speaking of, I, I have a couple of golfers in my class right now. And I think they like it because I talk sports in class and everything. And I always keep up like, you know, when the masters was going on, I was texting both the golfers, like, you know, you watching this and blah, blah, blah. And one of the golfers was, um, he was like in the beginning of the semester was, <clears throat> was struggling with his putting. And I said, well, why don't you just, before you like start practicing, sit down and just start doodling and start sketching. And he, you know, a couple classes later, he's like, I started doing that and it's really been helping. And I was like, well, it's because you're not thinking about it because you know, this as, as a golfer, like the last thing you want to do is think <laughs> you just want it to be natural. <laughs> I mean, and kind of the same way as an artist, you know, like. That's another thing that links us then. Yeah. That, that, cause I don't, I don't think about what I'm going to make in the studio. It just kind of, you have to empty your brain in the same way golfer would do get to that zen moment in your brain and yeah i don't come in and like be an artist and make art right. you know it just kind of occurs you, you you set yourself up in a mind space where the creativity flows it it involves yoga i do a lot of yoga in the morning maybe i'm starting <laughs> that, that preparation with my brain yeah um, uh, and i and i i like that I, that's that's similar I mean, I might have overthunk early on when I was on tour and I went to a sports psychologist, um, Bob Rotella, who you probably heard of yep. um, at, at Charlottesville there in Virginia. And he, he got me into a, a routine, uh, a, a setup routine behind the ball. So I do the same thing over and over and over instead of getting up over the ball and start to think about what I'm doing. Am I going to hook this? Am I going to slice this? Am I going, where's the wind? Um, he, he got me into a routine which, which helped me get into my Zen state, which is where we all want to be when we play golf or, or, or art is it just has to happen organically. You can't force it anytime. You know, I tell people around the club that I play here, they're always mad at me because I don't turn my scores in and because I don't really care about having a handicap. Um, so I'm not playing in any tournaments. And I, I said, you know, th think about scoring and turning in your score that leads to expectations and expectations lead to disappointment. Yep. So why don't you quit writing your score down on every hole and make that the fun part. <laughs> make the whole day the fun part of the sky is blue and the wind is blowing through the trees. And my mom told me this one time. So um, <laughs> she did. Um, you know, and, and, and make, make that the fun part of the day is being with your pals and don't think about your scoring. And then your scoring will take care of itself. Yep. And I'm, much better, I'm much better at that now. I can do that. Um, yeah constantly and 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 I, and I know if i start to think i'm in trouble and i'm not going to probably have a good day but i don't really care if i have a good day as long as i'm with my pals yep. now, yeah yeah rock and roll man <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it's i i think it's true like i the, the the one of the things i told the golfer too is like you know like they always talk about learning 
or, or like studying for a test, the best thing you can do is like write, write out the, like your, your notes, like rewrite them. So that it helps you retain information. And I was talking to one of the golfers, like when you're out golfing, why don't you start sketching the hole? You know? Cause I mean, really truly like why don't you like cuz maybe you retain the information in a different way and again it also just takes your mind off of thinking about it cuz i again i was a baseball player and it's like the last thing you want to do is like start thinking about stuff because it just gets it gets all muddy and then i it i don't know would you actually stop and sketch something before you're like go to bat I would now if I knew if I knew I absolutely I, I wish I had this class when I was growing up because I that I got in my own way. I mean I, I had the opportunity to get drafted out of high school to play baseball. My parents wanted me to go to school, which at the time was stupid because I didn't know like this sounds stupid, Matt, but I literally didn't know you could go to school for art college that is I mean that sounds hysterically but it maybe it's just because nobody was telling me I wish my art teacher had but so I went to Ohio State um I was supposed to go somewhere else but then the coaches came to Ohio State and Ohio State's literally right down the street obviously and I got redshirted so I was all I was doing was practicing I was taking classes I hated I was just floundering and so then I just quit school and then it was actually my mom that said why don't you know this is eight years later I started singing in rock bands and I was doing that world and working stupid jobs. But, you know, I kind of loved it. I loved singing in bands. But my mom was the one that said, why don't you go back to school for art? And I was like, huh, never thought of that. And, and you know, and, and it like that's that's it. You know, when you said you found your your calling or whatever it, when you were 13, like that was kind of that moment where it was like, oh, shit. I can do this. And, and, and it, so it just took me a lot longer. It was probably like 26 ish or something like that, that I went back to school and, and yeah, like epiphany, maybe we have this epiphany where, yeah, everything comes together and you have this life realization or something. Yep. Um, I've got a 30 year old son. I'm waiting for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> <All of them. laughs> He's getting closer. <laughs> that, well, you can, he can talk to me because I know that feeling. So literally, yeah. I, so I, I'm always, I, I'm interested, like Andrew, like in your end, like, like this is gonna be a stupid question, but what's it like winning a golf tournament? Like that has to be just a, an exhale moment um, yeah. of sorts. Just like, whoa. Um, yeah. yeah. Especially, especially I, um, you know, I played 20 years on tour, but I like to say it. I played 606 official PGA tour events in 20 years. I won four. I lost 602. <laughs> I was an incredible loser. I mean, I That's my times. baseball analogy analogy. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. So those four wins, I remember the first win in Pensacola in 1988. I'd been on tour for three years and you, you don't know if you're ever going to win until you win the first one. And when you, when I won the first one, I was like, all right, let's win a second one. You know, here goes a ladder again. I'm stepping up a ladder trying to it, – it, it is a kind of a euphoric feeling. And, and once you win one or two, you think you're going to win a lot. <laughs> you know, then middle age hits you and you have a bunch of kids and then you don't <laughs> practice as much and, and all that kind of stuff happens. But um, you're, you're right. It's a, it's a real euphoric feeling uh, to win because um, it, it only happened four times out of six, six man. And, it's, and, you know, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm proud of them. I got a lot of friends that maybe had won one or zero yeah. and – played that many uh, events, but now I'm, now I'm allowed to have some 
crystal. I got some master's crystal in the, in the house here, but my wife doesn't like me to have too much golf stuff. You know, it's not cool. Um, no, because you finished, you, you were a top 10 at a master's, weren't you? I mean, that had to be finished, wild. Yeah, I finished seventh one year. Yeah, and, um, that's wild. It was wild because it was the year uh, Ian Luznum beat Tom Watson. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I could hear, there were four groups behind me, and I could hear the roars. I knew it was Watson was doing well. And then you hear the jeers. It was four rules. And so you're right in the middle of it, in the back nine of the gust. You can just hear everything. It's kind of fun. It's the only place in the world that you can, you just, you just know, you know, you know, you know where every player is, you know, where the sounds are coming from and the biggest roars are coming from certain places. But yeah, yeah, there's there's no question that that first win was, was, was a really a a great, great day. It was in the end of the season, kind of set my fall up nicely. And I came out in 89 after that and played well again. So it's, it's like Scotty Scheffler, this kid who's just won the Masters. He, um, he hasn't really come out of nowhere. He was a great junior player, won a bunch of tournaments. He's from Highland Park, Matthew, so you know he's got cash. Uh, but, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he, he won his – I went to the Ryder Cup last year in Whistling Straits, and he beat John Rahm on the, on the singles final day. He beat him yep. handily. Yep. He beat him easily. And uh, that gave him a lot of confidence, I think, to start this year off. He's won now four times in his life seven tries with the masters. And I think, again, you know, you have to gain that confidence from successes. Yep. You know, you can just, I always had arguments with Bob Rotella that, no, you're just going to be cocky and be confident today. I'm like, no, you got to have some good things happen first. You know, I got to hit a good drive on the first hole, or I got to make a 20 footer or something to kind of get off and get going. He goes, well, that's not the way you're supposed to think. You're supposed to think that you already have it. You don't need this little, little victories in the middle of it. You know, he's trying to get me to really spin my head around it. To, to, and I, and I tell, I'll tell people that now all the time, you know, why are you hitting range balls? You've already got it. You already got it. Why, why you're a tour player. You're on tour. Why do you practice? You don't, you know, you're great. You know, just so guys hit range balls because they don't want to go back to their motel room. And that's the truth. Guys, I, guys no, I, I, this, you, you're, you're saying something that I've said to, like I, you know, this will never happen. Like what Matt, what you were saying earlier about sketching before I went to go hit, I've told pitchers in my, in my art and athletics class, you know, while you're pitching, like, you know, pitchers typically come into the dugout and they look at charts and they, you know, go through all this. And it's like, why don't you just sit down and sketch? I mean, you know how to fucking pitch. You don't need to like, I mean, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's just one of those things where I think we're, it's like, we're, it's just ingrained in, in our, antiquated system and we we have to keep doing it the way that it always is but somebody yeah. has to break break that momentum no, I, I and, and matt i'm like there's one thing i was uh, reading about like that i'm interested in in your art and and i think it was it was again it was i, I mentioned this earlier it was a connection to your father but there's something about language in in how you create art or thinking about language and i, I think there was I'm going to look this really quick. It's, it's the, there's specifically pieces that um, I think it's newer work within the last couple of years. It, it was, there's an image from the art pulse magazine um, review. It's like a blue, I think it's a dark blue and a, and a white right. canvas that really and truly looks like co- <clears throat> coded language. And those right. are the works that I I've always like of yours that I really got into because and I don't know if that was sub, you know, subconscious that I s- felt like I was reading, like truly reading your paintings. Um, like explain, like, was there a connection to your dad? I think it was in one of these 
things that I read of research about you that said something about that relationship. It is about my father. And I think a lot, I mean, I can show you this image uh, yeah. uh, after a day of collecting coral and seashells at the and how I, I was seeing language in nature. And my father and I, he kind of took me under his wing and we did all these drives through the Southwest and saw Native American pictographs and petroglyphs collected rocks and then he became a member of the texas archaeological society and was always sending in his retirement was always sending me images so but oftentimes i was just thinking as you were that on our drives we didn't really talk very much but we just looked and we stopped we didn't have long father-son conversations my father wasn't a big conversationalist so it was that that kind of an interior language of that that we had and and where we both appreciated you know looking at nature looking at rocks and it, it will it in, it ingrained in me this appreciation and and his his math he was a mathematics major in college straight A's which and I was so shitty at math in authors <laughs> all of us all of us all, all four <laughs> Now, all my work is is basically I use rulers and compasses and 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 mathematical tools to construct my surfaces. So it's like, you know, I'm using the grid, like which I which I reference as Agnes Martin's grid. But um, and I every everything I make, I start at the top left corner and end up on the lower right corner as if I'm painting paragraphs. So it's. <laughs> It really is, um, in just to, to, to reference this idea of language, it really is, my technique is very methodical, uh, almost scientific, and it is about expressing this interior language of my, it's kind of my life experience as, as, it, as it continues. And, you know, this idea of collectors, the collective unconscious, um, that word do you collected. think about it? Do you think about it as 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 repetition in some ways? Because language is repetitive in some ways. But do you think about? And I'm, I'm the reason why I'm asking is thinking about thinking about practice, thinking about the ritual of golf or the ritual yeah. of yeah, yeah. But practice, artistic practice, my studio practice, yeah. golf, practicing golf. Or you don't say playing golf; you say playing golf, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, because I don't practice anymore. You're right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because because I know I'm because because Ronks, I know I'm good. Right. <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be. I know how to get there. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, but all all but but in the studio, I mean, everybody, every artist, you are expressing yourself, whether it's like by painting a figure or by painting a landscape. But I'm literally taking that that idea of, of, of my own artistic language, literally, um, and, and expressing myself that way. I mean, I'm in my studio, you know, seven, eight hours a time by myself with the door locked. So I'm kind of talking to myself here, you know, but my, you need my to get work, a caddy. <laughs> you know, and I've had a lot of people in the studio, they say, do you need this? I'm like, 
how do I have an assistant? You know, how, how, how would I do this with an assistant? You know, it's just like, you can, you can, they could do my emails, but they can't make my work. Somebody like Jeff Coons, who has 40 assistants. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like he's creating on I, a. I, I, I don't actually understand how people I've used assistants in, in a couple times. Like I had somebody build me panels once and I showed them how to make it and they still did it wrong. I'm like, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And I, I mean, I have a carpenter who does build my panels for me, but, but as far as you know, executing my work, I've got to do it. Yep. Cause that's part of the satisfaction of being, you know, a creative person. Yep. Uh, yeah. Now I, and I have to tell you, uh, Andrew, that my first major, major crush was Jack's cousin's daughter, I think. That's right. <laughs> Lu- name was her name was Lucy Nicholas. And she sorry, Lucy, if you're listening to this, but uh, yeah, the street, yeah. She, oh the God, she just killed me. Just what's that? <laughs> no, no, I don't know who that I I I know Gary and Jackie and Nan. I know a few of the kids, but he's had a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I think it's his it's his cousins. I, I don't know. I don't know the chain yeah. of events, but, but if you ever get back to Ohio, please let me know. Cause I'm up, <laughs> I'm up there a lot yeah. and, and, and yeah. do different things up there. And I actually got a buddy that is a golf pro at one of the country clubs up there. And I can't think of the name of it at this moment, but, but, you know, I, I just want to say thank you. Cause for, you know, like <laughs> this, when I started thinking about doing this, it's for me, it's, it's even cooler than I thought it was going to be. Um, just this, this again, like this connectedness and not connectedness, but then almost like realizing that there are like relationships more than maybe you guys even thought. Um, and it's, and it's just, it's, uh, you know, like when I, right when I met Matt, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago now at this point, I was like, uh, you know, immediately, like, I felt like, uh, this is, this is somebody I feel like I've known forever kind of a feeling. Um, and meeting Randall as well. Didn't Randall just, didn't you guys just pick up some, um, uh, some prints, some, uh, uh, like really like 10 prints of, uh, Agnes Martin. Yes. God, they're yep. stunning. Oh, he, he, we bought those, uh, from a gallery in Houston. Um, I don't know, five, five or six years ago okay. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But we have those. Stunning. <laughs> but that, that, yeah, that series is very important to to my practice at this point. So anyway, it's good to have them. Yeah, no, yeah. I just it, hearing you say that 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 work is influential. Like it means, like you can see it and feel it. Like it's 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 kind of badass. So yes. I, go ahead. Yeah, she she just said her work was about beauty, which I also like because I I hate to read long artist statements with all the fuck i'm gonna say it fucking art speak that you can understand and agnes one of her most famous statements is that my work is about beauty and and beauty is enough it really but why why do people buy something for their walls unless it's something that that is beautiful or feeds feeds them a beautiful feeling so I mean, beauty is enough. I think. I, I, I think beauty, unfortunately, is is an art school. Uh, they don't allow you to do that outside in the <laughs> real world. It matters, but art school, like, is is the nap. Sorry, that's not enough. And it's like, no, nah, bullshit. It is. I because I agree. Like my my work is, 
it's not intentionally beautiful, but I, I, my art is inspired by driving out West. So I'm looking at beautiful and like the environment, the vastness. And it's like, it seeps into me. It's like, it's impossible not to do that. And, and I love that it's beautiful. Like, I don't give a shit. Like I, you know, I embrace it. And I actually tell my students that like, you're allowed to make beautiful shit. You're allowed to. Yeah. So, I agree. But I just, I, again, like I, this was an absolute blast for me. I always have my golf clubs in my car and I'll be out there in a couple of weeks, by the way. I just want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually, I took my golf. I don't even know if I, I told, I took my class to a golf range the other night and uh, we were hitting golf balls and sketching between, and there was kids that have never played golf in their life were hitting golf balls and then sketching and going back and forth. So it was like this really fun, That's uh, cool. Um, little, little thing to do, but, and then I always ask the last kind of question is because I always put new music to each episode. What kind of music do you, I, I'll, I'll usually write something and, or use something that I've already written. And you guys are going to be on completely different sides of the spectrum musically, aren't you? (laughs) I can completely. (laughs) I'm going to like hip hop country, right? (laughs) I'm I'm country. Yeah. I, I listen to if I listen to any music on the radio, if I'm driving up and back, I, I listen to country Western and I know a lot of country guys like Vince Gill and Toby Keith and I, I've played golf with a lot of these guys. So yeah, but I'm a country guy all the way. <laughs> I like, uh, there's a Spanish singer right name right now named Rosalia. Have you heard this woman? I have uh, not. She does a song called Hentai, H-E-N-T-A-I. You can Google her. She's huge right now. She's young, okay. beautiful, and it's like La Cumbia, and it's good stuff. It's good, good stuff. I'll actually, to I'm going to send you, uh, I'll send Rosalia. you a, a friend of mine, because I can't use her, that Rosalia because I'd have to pay for it, or who knows, <laughs> when I ain't doing that. But I do have a friend uh, that's uh, a Latina singer that I'll send you the music to see if you like it, because <laughs> she's awesome. She actually... She actually on, you know how Obama always puts out his favorite playlist of the year, like three years ago, she was on there and I was like, Whoa, you know, so, you know, um, and she lives, she lived here in Richmond forever, but I think she's from LA. Um, and I think she might be back there for the most part. Although I just saw her the other day and I was like, wait a minute, are you back? She's like, no, I'm just passing. through. I'm like, okay, (laughs) fine. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Matthew or I are big musical people no, i mean uh, right. I know. We, we don't have a playlist either of us um and I'll, I'll listen to anything i don't really care just to pass the time right i talk radio mostly so we're not like all our my kids are all into everything you know my daughter's in austin right now going to see some australian girl you know saying her band i'm like i mean who gives, who gives a crap that much but we we both we both don't really care about music right. that much right but you like so. What, maybe this is one another last question. Are you? You said you're still doing because you work for the Golf Channel. You're still doing stuff with the BBC. Is that what you said? I, I uh, yeah, I do the That's Ryder cool. Cups oh, and I do the Masters, awesome. the two the two biggie events. I've done all the others, but the U.S. Open's boring. The PGA's boring. The British Open's kind of boring. It's just like a regular golf tournament. But the Ryder Cups are amazing because of the match play aspect and. Yep. Uh, you know, the red, the red, white, and blue and all the good patriotic stuff. And the Masters is, is just at the best 
venue in the yeah. world of golf is, and everybody knows Augusta National. Although I want to go out to the waste management and just be involved oh, in that one time. Have you been there, Matt? Because <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't do that kind of thing. I'm no. I'm going with you next February. I'm. I want to yeah, see the park. It's an absolute drinkathon. Sixteenth is that the sixteenth? I go right? straight to sixteen. Yeah, I'm a <laughs> I'm an ex tour player that I don't watch a single swing. I go straight to the sixteenth, my buddies' boxes, and hang out and bet on the players and yell at them and have them here. When that when that what's his name hit that hole in one this year was just bonkers. Like having was, all those beer. It was, so, was like it was so good. Our, our whole box was throwing beer at each other. <laughs> So we all got soaked and set up, to, and then we threw our empty cans out. But it was just that was the nuttiest moment I've See, ever. See, Matt, we got to do this in a gallery. <laughs> we got to bring the sports world into a gallery and do that. I think that'd be hysterical. So, oh well, guys, I like really this was an absolute blast. And like I said, I'm going to be back. I am going to be out there soon because I got to get that artwork um, back to the East Coast. Um, I think I'm leaving here sometime in two weeks or so. And so I'll be down. I'll let you know. Um, and it, hey, like Andrew, it'd be a pleasure to meet you in person. Right. Um, and Matt, like, like I said, we're, we're brothers from another mother, as far as I'm concerned at this point. And, um, but yeah, this was just, this was an absolute blast and I'll get, I'll get, uh, some photo and video stuff for promo stuff and, you know, feel free. And it'll, I think it'll be out Patsy's, uh, Matt, her episode is going to be out Monday and I think your guys is going to be the following Monday. So it'll be, it's a pretty quick turnaround. And, um, but yeah, I just like, again, this was just fun for me. First of all, just because of the connectedness to Tremont, which is just still so bizarre (laughs) to me. Um, but it's just like, I think your guys' story is so cool because again, like you both are, have, have accomplished such incredible things in on again opposite sides of the spectrum from the same family and i think it's pretty wild and again like to hear that your your other brother uh is military it's like we work with military as well so it's like your family is like connected so it's pretty cool but yeah thanks guys enjoy enjoy your beautiful day out in arizona it's 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 beautiful here except for it's starting to get humid already so that's why i leave town so but thank you guys all right just so much fun talking with both of them such a great bond they have so cool to hear their stories about growing up and how different they are but how close they are and how much they really respect and appreciate each other's professions and talents and really still kind of blown away that their grandfather lived in my hometown and they swam at the pool right up the street from where I lived. Uh, just a small, small world. Again, please follow Matt on Instagram at M-A-T-T-M-A-G-E-E-1961 and check out his website, mattmcgee.info. You can follow Andrew on Instagram at A-N-D-R-E-G-O-5-2. And again, wanted to say thank you to my friend Angelica Garcia for letting me use some music on today's episode. Remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events and news. Thanks again. We will see you next week. And as always, 
Do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. Sometimes.